Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. And for those of you listening on February the 14th, happy Valentine's Day to you. I'm reminded by my Italian immigrant friends that today was originally known and still is in Italy as St. Valentine's Day. And uh, if you've ever read the story about him, it's, it's pretty interesting. I think it is anyway. He was a priest who lived in the third century back in Rome. And I believe at the time, I'm not sure if it was Claudius II. I'm kind of a little bit fuzzy on that. I think it was. But he banned marriages and engagements and things like that, believing that an unmarried man made a better soldier. However, even though it was forbidden, Valentine continued to perform secret marriages for people in defiance of the emperor's orders. And when he was discovered, he was arrested and sentenced to death. And while in prison, he became friends with the jailer's daughter, who happened to be blind. And according to the story, he prayed for her. Her blindness was cured, and uh, she became a Christian. And before he was executed, he said to have sent her a letter signed from your Valentine. And the expression has stayed with us still to this day. So according to history, he was executed on February the 14th. I guess that's not really so romantic, but the fact that he left that letter to her, I guess that's the part that stuck. Anyway, in case you were wondering, that's where that comes from. Also, I want to thank all of you who have been listening to the show for a while. I launched the first episode back in July of 2017, and I decided at the time that I was going to stay with it for at least three years to get an idea of whether or not I was on to something or not. And, you know, unfortunately, slash fortunately, whatever way you want to look at it, the long game is a key element in the success building a business model, I guess you would say, of today. Then it's going to take you a little bit of time to see whether or not what you have is going to grow roots or not. Sure, there's still the overnight sensations, but those are outliers. Those aren't how the general types of businesses grow. So I thought I would give it about three years and see. And I really didn't notice much growth at all during year number one. And, you know, at the time, of course, if I hadn't made that commitment to doing it for two to three years, I said three years, but it was more like two to three years, but I started to see the uh, the numbers change in year number two. And when that happened, of course, it gives you motivation. I know that even if you're committed to doing the long game, not seeing numbers, not making sales, not building a list, not doing any of those things definitely affects you. Uh, negatively, and it kind of takes some of the wind out of your sails. And so today, while I certainly don't have Joe Rogan-like numbers, getting between 1,500 to 2,000 listens slash downloads a day is pretty good for a business-related podcast when there's a lot of business-related podcasts out there. Uh, Before I go any further, this episode is brought to you, as always, by the Digital Strategist Newsletter. This is volume two of my monthly newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. That's jimsnewsletter.com. 
and my coaching program, which is at onetomanysystem.com. That's onetomanysystem.com. Now, today I wanted to share with you some thoughts and strategies around the topic of creating and selling courses online, making money with that kind of a business model. And I want to give you some advice that I never would have given anybody even six months ago because things have changed. Now, this week, one of my clients came up to me and she said, Jim, we have a membership site set up for her company. We have a membership site set up where her employees can go and they can get this training. But she also wanted to set up a type of forum where everybody could log in and they could discuss ideas, thoughts, challenges, things like that, make it more of a community. Because my client is very community-minded with how she runs her business, and her business is very successful. And so she was asking me what I thought about these different network options like Mighty Networks, Peerboard. There's some others too. Now, here's the reality of the situation. For the past decade, groups, forums, whatever label you want to put on it, have more or less transitioned over to Facebook. And so Facebook groups have been popular, very popular. They still are in certain niches, but they don't have the overwhelming support that they did, say, even five years ago. And so if you have a Facebook group, then I'm not trying to knock what you're doing. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't be doing it. I'm just comparing the Facebook groups of the past, the way they operate it, how often people interacted, how long they spent on the platform. Comparing that in the past to today, it's like a completely different animal altogether. However, what I've noticed is that, and there's a lot of things to not like about a Facebook group. Let me just throw this out there too. What does this have to do with courses? Believe me, I'm going to tie the two together. Just stay with me. People don't trust Facebook. There's been privacy issues. There's been, they've been sued at least four times for falsifying advertising numbers and information. They've lost every single time. But if I have a business group on Facebook, I'm not going to be so quick to jump in and cut off my nose to spite my face. In other words, I'm not going to take the position that, well, I'm just going to delete my Facebook group when I have people that the only reason why they're on Facebook is to be a part of this group or this group plus a few other groups. A lot of people that I know in the business world continue to use Facebook simply because of the groups they're part of. They don't connect with people from the past. They don't basically talk among family and friends. They don't post cat pictures and food pictures and all that stuff that people used to do in the past with any type of regularity. They're not trying to stand out and show how magnificent their life is. So Facebook, a lot of time that people would spend on the platform has decreased. People have left the platform. Now, some people might say, well, Facebook is dying. I think that's a bit of an overstatement, but Facebook isn't the oasis for a business user as it was in the past. I'm putting that out there because a lot of the people in her company weren't really happy using Facebook groups to interact with one another for all of the reasons and probably more than I just mentioned here today. You know, people want to get away from Facebook. But the problem is, is that people are, are creatures of habit and getting them to go to a new platform and use it with any type of regularity is a difficult needle to thread. Now, I've been to other groups where people have talked about forums and message boards and all of this, and the story is the same each and every time. Somebody launches a new group on another platform other than Facebook. Let's say Mighty Networks, 
peer board. You can pick anyone that you like. And for the first 30 days, maybe 60 days, the people are getting used to the platform. They're getting used to all of the basics. And then what happens? Then they get busy and they log in less and less and less. They interact less and less and less. And so the problem is, is that keeping people engaged on these other platforms, as much as they don't like Facebook, seems to be almost impossible for the average business long term. Even people that are in high ticket coaching programs, getting them to interact on a forum and for the first few weeks, maybe of 80%, I know it's a high number, but interacting and enjoying the platform. And then because they haven't been habitually logging in month after month, year after year, as they did on these other platforms like a Facebook or an Instagram or a Twitter, they stop using it. Matter of fact, I saw whole long threads with like 80 conversations going on, by the way, in a Facebook group where people were saying that they hate Facebook, but these other alternatives, they forget about them, they forget to log in, they lose their login information, or suddenly 30 days go by, 60 days go by, and they realize that they've been busy, but they haven't even logged in to these other places. And they say that it's frustrating, and the, just the list goes on and on. And so what I believe is that as much as we need community right now, the way things are in the world, and I'm not just saying this as a blanket statement, I'm just saying based on human activity, we're not in the place we were five years ago. We are not loving community the way we used to. We are part of communities because we're still getting something from those communities, but we're not investing the time, we're not in investing the energy as a whole in participating in these things as we have in the past. And so it's just like anything else. you know. It's not that the, these platforms are dead or dying. They appear to be that way when you look at what things were like in the past. So people say that about sports. You know, sports are dying in America. And what they really mean is, or what's really happening is, fewer people are participating as compared with the past. One of my favorite sports, pro boxing, people say, you know, boxing in the U.S. is dead. It's not dead. It's just that you have fewer people than before, especially when you look at history, we have like the smallest number that are interested in this sport right now. And so, yeah, it feels like it's dying when you compare the present to the past, but it's not like it's just going to go away. There'll always be people there. It's just not going to be what it was in the past. Radio's still around today. So I'm saying, I'm saying this because these things come and these things go, and there's really nothing you can do about it. So my advice to her was don't get caught up in moving your discussion board to Mighty Networks or Peerboard or which one of these technologies that you can choose because the reality of the problem isn't which board is the best. The reality is getting people in the habit to log on to any of these platforms is going to be an uphill battle, most likely, not definitely, but most likely for you if you follow the current trends. And so with that in mind, let's create an alternative strategy. What is it that you want to accomplish with the community and let's see if we can find an alternative way of getting that result without the traditional discussion board and in the meantime let's continue to use facebook for the people that are willing to communicate they'll be willing to do it on facebook but you're not going to get them into the habit of doing it on one of these alternative services and so this is something that this type of advice would be advice that i wouldn't have been able to give three years ago 
in or even back in maybe 2020, right? Everything was moving in the direction, but now we're not moving in the direction. We're already there. We're not starting the journey right now. We're already there. So now when we talk about things like courses, how do we make money with courses? What should we do? What should be our approach to it? The advice that I would give today is going to be much different than the advice I would have given even six months ago, because this is one of the things I've realized. I'm segueing now, so stay with me. I know I'm talking kind of fast, but I don't want to waste too much time here. There's benefits that come with selling courses on platforms like Udemy and Skillshare, because it used to be such that what you would have to do is SEO your site to death so that when someone looked up the topic, they would find your site, they would get involved in your program, and people still do that today. However, one of the options that you have today are sites like Udemy and Skillshare. Now, I've talked about this in the past with other types of sites because these are platforms that already have an audience of people who are there to buy, who are spending money already. Now, I was contacted by Skillshare about three years ago, and they asked me if I would consider putting courses on their site. And three years ago, I thought to myself, why would I put my courses? Because most of my courses were higher end. I had like higher end courses and low end courses. And with the low end courses, of course, those would be the ones that I would sell there. Now, when I say low end, I don't mean low end like a bad course or a low quality course. I'm just talking about one that wasn't a $1,000 course or a $500 course or $2,000 course. I'm talking about the prices would be comparable with all of the other courses for sale. I thought, why would I want to go and help Skillshare build their platform when I can just be building mine? And so that's the way I thought about it back then. Fast forward to today and uh, putting more courses out in the future, would I consider putting a course on Skillshare? Absolutely, I would. Now, let me explain this. Let me get into the details of the whole course situation, how it works, and some of the things that you need to think about. I brought up the point about the discussion groups, about the forums, simply because I wanted to point out that people are creatures of habit. And if you create something that forces them to adapt a habit that they don't already have, then you potentially have an uphill battle on your hands. And that goes for everything, including when you get started in the course business. So we're talking about courses. We're talking about product creation. We can be talking about large courses, small courses, and things like selling on platforms like Udemy and Skillshare or hosting courses on your own WordPress website. In the past, I would say that I couldn't see maybe 99 out of 100 times, I would say you should build a course, host it on your own WordPress website, and focusing on things like content creation and SEO so that you get people coming to a site where you own and you control everything. When it comes to product creation, everything starts with one important decision. And that is how in-depth are you going to make a course? Now, a large course can be comprehensive and in-depth. It can cover a specific topic in really great detail. On the other hand, a small course, especially if you're just starting out, is something that can focus on a specific aspect of a topic and can be designed to be more bite-sized and more approachable. If you have never done either before, you haven't made a large course and you haven't made a small course, it could be tempting for you as it was for me, 
to put your whole heart and soul into creating large, comprehensive courses. And that's the way I started out back in the late 1990s, by putting together large, comprehensive information products. Now, because I'm such a detailed-oriented person, naturally my personality type, I went for the large course right out of the gate. I don't suggest, if you've never put a course together before, doing that. I know that in the back of your mind, you may be thinking, well, I want to offer the most value, and there's no way I can do that in a short course. Well, you absolutely can because no matter what it is that you teach, you don't have to be completely comprehensive in your teaching of the topic. So for example, if we were going to set up a meeting where you would come and teach a group of people live and say you have 30 minutes to teach this topic, what would you do? Well, you would prepare for the meeting completely differently than if I said we're going to meet every week for three months and you're going to sit and talk to the people for one hour every week about this topic. And then you could really flesh it out. You could give examples. You could have subtopics. But if you had 30 minutes, then you would have to get right to the point. And so the good thing about getting right to the point is that these bite-sized bits of information are more digestible, let's say, to the average person today than they've been in the past. Because the average person today, it's scientifically proven, they don't have the attention span that they did even five years ago. So if you can solve one aspect of a problem or something within a specific, let's say, for example, you were going to put a course together on weight loss. Everybody's familiar with how weight loss works. Maybe you would just deal with one aspect of weight loss instead of bringing in all of these other topics and focus on that. Because if the person just focused on doing that one thing, would they get a result? Yeah, they would get a result. Maybe it may not be comprehensive. Maybe it would include things like, and you know, we can go right down the list, but it would help, right? So if you came up with a weight loss course that was based on maybe replacing one kind of food with another and walking X number of miles per day, maybe you could get a person a result doing that. You'd have a small course on how to do it. It wouldn't overwhelm the person. You get where I'm coming from. So the next thing is, you know, we have platforms today like Udemy and Skillshare that are popular options for online course creators because they already have that large and engaged audience of potential buyers. And the advantage of selling on these platforms is that they handle a lot of the marketing and promotion for you. And they have the built-in payment system. They have access to analytics. They have all of those things. So if you're not a technical person, you're either going to have to take out your credit card and pay someone to set that up for you using, let's say, WordPress and some plugins, or you're going to have to learn how to do it yourself, in which case you're talking about the investment in time and energy. Now, depending on what you're like as an individual, you may say that it's worth the time investment. This is something that I'm interested in. I want to learn it. And that's fine if that's you. And you build out whatever it is that you have. You learn how to back things up. You learn how to upgrade things. But there's also pros and cons of these platforms like Udemy and Skillshare. And there's pros and cons of using, let's say, a system like WordPress. So if we look at Udemy and Skillshare, on one hand, they provide a ready-made audience to streamline the entire sales and marketing process. And that's something that I find that the more people I talk to, it's more of an issue than not. 
because once they put all of that heart and soul and energy into creating the content, recording the videos, creating the templates and the handouts, they don't or they're not capable of putting that same amount of energy into marketing it. Or if they do, they only do it for maybe one or two email blasts or two or three posts in a group or something like that. And then it's over after that. You collect whatever money you've collected and the same people don't feel like they have the energy to reach out in new places because, again, it all involves time and energy and, and so on. So if you look at a place like Udemy or Skillshare, now let me just say this about Udemy. If we looked at number-wise as far as places to sell your courses online, Udemy is far and away the number one in terms of volume. Skillshare is number two, but they are a distant second. Skillshare isn't right up there, you know, like a, like a horse race. Udemy is not like a nose in front of Skillshare. Udemy is like a quarter mile ahead of Skillshare. And then there's Skillshare, and then there's everyone else way behind. So on one hand, we have people that, like myself, would have said in the past especially, set it up on WordPress, control everything yourself, you can configure your design exactly the way you want it, more or less. You can hire. There's plenty of people to do it. There's people to back it up. You own everything. You're not a slave to another platform that can change the rules at any given point. But when you look at something like WordPress, okay, you're going to use WordPress, which is free, but then you're going to use a plugin like a LearnDash or WP Courseware. Those are two that I've used myself. You know, it provides flexibility for both the person setting it up and the people on the, and your students on the other side. You can create custom pages, modules, lessons. Uh, you can track the user progress, see who's completing what. So it's not really difficult to use. Of course, I'm saying that as a person that also has a technical background as well as a marketing background, those two things. But the learning management plugins, of course, they are designed to be easy to use, uh, even for people that don't have the technical expertise, let's say, and their user interface does make it fairly simple to set it up, but I very seldom see people do all the above without having to contact support or without having to go on, let's say, a Facebook group and ask for help. And we could argue that, okay, so you do that, but once it's set up, it's set up. So you do pay like a little price and time and effort to get everything up and running on WordPress. So I'm looking at pros and cons, okay? The other thing is WordPress is SEO friendly and the integration with SEO plugins, with systems like LearnDash and everything, you can optimize your courses for search engines and you can make it easier for potential students to find and enroll in your courses. But getting back to the other option, of selling something on a Udemy or a Skillshare is, again, they have tens of thousands of people on there every single day. How long would it take you, even if you were doing, let's say, article creation, to be able to generate those numbers and get that kind of interest to your website without paying for ads, right? So if you have a low price course, then you can't really invest that much in, as far as ad spends, unless you're willing to lose a little bit up front in order to make it on the back end. So for example, if you have lower price courses, 
then yeah, you can afford to maybe lose a little bit on the front end if on the back end you have courses that you're selling for $500, $2,000, However, the chances of you reaching all of these people that are currently on Udemy just by SEOing your way forward and by doing content creation and being super active on social media, the chances of you reaching that volume of people, the odds are not in your favor. Now, I don't say that to discourage you, and I'm not saying that if you already have that kind of plan where you're out there, where you're super active, where you're creating content every day, I'm not saying that you should abandon that plan completely. What I'm saying is marketing comes down to testing. And if you've never sold anything on like a Udemy before or a Skillshare before, I'm suggesting now something I never would have suggested in the past, that you create a smaller version of your course and sell it on one of those platforms. I would suggest Udemy first. You're going to make less money on Udemy than you'd make on Skillshare. It may look like peanuts, but the ability to sell 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 units at a lower price, and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to worry about deliverability. You have to worry about technical problems. You have to worry about upgrading. All of those things, you have the opportunity to have people that truly enjoy your work people that can truly benefit from whatever it is that you teach, you can get those people on board through Udemy much easier than you will any other way. Why? Because it is the world's largest course platform out there right now. They have the numbers to back it up. Now, I'm not saying that you need to rely on Udemy or that you should abandon everything and go on Udemy. Skillshare, again, number two, distant second. Skillshare does have a different business model. With Skillshare, people are not buying individual courses. They are buying the Skillshare membership. And then you as a content creator are getting paid according to the amount of time that people are listening or engaging with your content. So if people listen to an hour of your course, then you're going to get paid more than if they listen to 15 minutes of it and so on. So if you have several courses on there, the combined total time that people are listening to and engaging with that content, that's what your payment, that's what you're getting paid based upon. I was invited on there. I still saved the email that they sent me, inviting me to create courses and sell them on Skillshare. I still may do it. I may not. But here's one of the things you have to think about also. Now, we all get into the information business a lot of times because we think this is a great way to make some passive income. And it's true that for a season, the income that you get from anything that you create course-wise is exactly that. But a lot of us teach topics, now this may include you, it may not, but a lot of us teach topics that where the information changes over time. And with some topics, the information changes more often than others. And if that's the case, then you have to go back and update that information regularly, which means you have to re-record videos, you have to redo templates, things change. So it's not exactly passive when you look at it from that end. And then, of course, we have the marketing side of it. Nothing is passive about marketing. And marketing is a key component in the growth of any business today, which is why platforms like a Udemy for course creators is so popular. So one of the things that I would do is I would go on to, and this is this is the planning stages. If you're going to sell a course on Udemy or create something just for Udemy or Skillshare, what's the first thing that you do? First thing you do is you do some searching. 
You go on the platforms, you sign up, and you do searches for people that are selling something similar to you. If you find someone selling a course and they've sold like 300 units, or there's not really that much competition on there, then you know that if you create a course on that topic, you're not creating a course on something that has a lot of search volume. There are also tools that you can buy for, let's say, a Udemy. I'm not sure if it works for Skillshare, but you can actually see what the search volume is for certain words and phrases. Now, if you find somebody who's selling something similar to what you have, and they have 100,000 sales or 40,000 sales, then you know they have a bestseller on their hands. So if you're going to compete with them directly, then you're going to have to really come up with something that is special. I'm not saying that you can't, but... So a lot of this comes back to search. And this this is something that a lot of people, they don't really think about either because they just think, well, this is what I know. This is what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to create a course around this. They really don't do their research. And then they're discouraged if that course doesn't sell. The truth of the matter is, is that whatever topic we have interest in, the interest in that specific topic can, if you look at a topic like a building, and then that topic has, like a building, many different rooms, then the interest often moves from room to room. In other words, there's subtopics in that overall overarching topic where the interest moves to. So if you think about something like, let's say digital marketing, for example, if you just want to make a blanket course about digital marketing, well, there's just so much out there right now on that that you know you have an uphill battle on your hands. But if you want to narrow it down and see, well, where's the specific interest right now? Well, maybe it would be in TikTok or creating videos for TikTok. Or if you're a video creator, maybe YouTube shorts or something like that. The interest would be in that area. So you would focus in on that. Now, TikTok is just another platform, right? It's not that the people that go to TikTok are a different breed altogether, although some may argue with that, but I'm talking about the people that are looking for information on some of these platforms. And so as much as I hate to say it, and as much as part of me hates to admit it, the freedom that WordPress gives us as individual business owners isn't quite the advantage as it was in the past because a lot of people out of habit are going to these established platforms to do business. They're going to an Amazon or an eBay even. So even if you have a Shopify store, you're probably going to have a presence on one of these other platforms, right? They're going to Etsy to buy artistic crafts and things like that. In the past, you could just strike gold by having, let's say, a WordPress-based website and your own WooCommerce set up on there, and you just sell the products directly. Now, what a lot of people are doing is they're starting to recognize this. They're starting to recognize that you know they have no control over what these established platforms are taking money-wise, and you're not really getting the amount of money that you'd hope to be getting. In the beginning, it's fine because money is money. In the beginning, it's like, hey, this is great. But then you start thinking, well, if I could just sell this directly instead of getting $5 per sale, I can get, you know, maybe after expenses, $15 a sale. Right? I mean, it's natural to think that way. And so what a lot of people are doing now is they're saying, you know, my products and are available here, but they're also 
you know, they're available on Etsy, they're available on Udemy, whatever platform you happen to be talking about, whatever niche you're in, but they're also available on my own website. And see, once you connect with people on these other platforms, most of them are going to, especially if they love your product, and especially if it's a teaching product, they're going to look you up and they're going to find that you do have a website, that you do have a presence online besides an Etsy or besides a Udemy or besides a Skillshare. They have a presence on YouTube, that you have a podcast, that you have a blog. And then when they connect with you there, matter of fact, a lot of people do that who sell books. They'll say, go and get your bonus material and they'll have a link to their website. And then from that point forward, they can buy right from your website. You can give them a reason to buy directly from you instead of buying your products off of these other platforms. You can make a bonus available that's not available if they buy it somewhere else. Of course, every platform has its rules and regulations that you would have to go by so you don't lose your presence on those. But you get what I'm saying. All of this is basically business 101. Now, I've used LearnDash. I've used WP Courseware. I know what it's like, the pros and cons of hosting courses on my own WordPress-based website. And for certain things, I would say it's great. For other things, you know, maybe not so much. But whether you're technical or not, I would say at this point, it makes sense to, if you see course creation as a part of your business income model going forward, to consider creating one, two, three products, each complementing one another for Udemy or Skillshare. Why two or three? Because if you look at the situation from the platform's perspective, you want to give them a reason to promote you. You want to show them that you're not a one and done type of person. Remember, one of the biggest advantages you have, whether you're a technical person, a non-technical person, whether you're just getting started or whether you've hit a wall, these platforms have millions of users who are actively looking for new courses to take. Just digest that for a minute. And that means that you have the opportunity to reach a large number of potential buyers with just a single listing. With two or three, the odds increase in your favor. Another pro, of course, is the ease of use and what your personal responsibilities are. These platforms handle much of the marketing and promotion for you. They also have the built-in payment system. They have access to analytics. You don't have to plug those things in, build them out yourself. This means that you can focus on creating content for your course or your courses, and then you let the platform handle the rest. And if you're just starting out and you want to test the waters with a new course, these platforms can be a great way to reach a large audience with minimal upfront investment in time and energy. Remember, we're looking at a broad strategy here. I know we're focusing in on Udemy right now and on Skillshare, but I'm talking about the course business. I know a lot of people try it and then they're frustrated because they can't get their course in front of enough people fast enough where they make a solid, consistent income. And so what do we have? We have, well, podcasts, for example, where one person is sharing their audience with other people. We have all these endless interviews and all of the things which people are trying to get their products in front of a new audience. What I'm saying is, is that you have an audience waiting there for you. They're already there and they're already interested. So if you haven't tested this marketing strategy out yet personally for yourself, 
I think it's something that is definitely worth doing in your planning going forward. Now, you can always reserve your high-end material for your personal website, or if you like, you can sell it through a think, uh, Thinkific, Teachable, Kajabi, Profi, Podia, or any of the others that are out there. Remember, in the big picture, people are creatures of habit, and that includes how they buy, where they buy, and yes, you can get people directly to your personal brand platform and website. I'm not trying to minimize that. But the focus here is on the fact that this is becoming a two-step process more often than not as we continue to move forward in time. Not a single step one like it used to be in the past. So the terrain changes. We just make the adjustments. And we keep on moving forward. All right, I know I went a little bit over today. I hope that's okay. That's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them. You can share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere else. Or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes can be found there as well. Your sharing of this podcast as a whole or a specific episode link really helps me reach more people. I would say that iTunes, in a way, or Spotify is the platform for people that enjoy listening to podcasts the way Udemy and Skillshare is the platform for people that enjoy buying courses. This is just the way it happens to be today. You know, we could like it, we could not like it, but it's just easier to adjust to the change instead of going against it. So thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later.